Hello and welcome back to the Couch Sheehan Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt. Burn it to the ground. Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? That, that's, that's a keeper. Uh, it's like, well, Ryan, we just uh, witnessed a day of NBA basketball. Sunday, uh, we saw Western Conference Game 1 and then we saw uh, Eastern Conference Atlanta Philly Game 7. And let me tell you, I'm just, I, I can't tell if I'm like over the moon or like what this emotion is. I'm going through it right now, though. I, I just feel at this point, I, I want to say this before we get too far into the podcast and we talk about literally burning everything in Philly to the ground. Uh, I feel for Sixers fans. Like I've, I, I haven't been there, I don't think. Uh, I mean, like, I, as a Thunder fan, I've had some pretty low moments. Like, the 3-1 thing, I think I'm still scarred by. Fourth uh, of July is just not my holiday. Um, <laughs> and if you don't know, that's when Kevin Durant decided to go to Golden State. So I feel for Philly fans. Uh, but, man, the last 48 hours of bas- playoff basketball have been incredible. Uh, two game sevens and then an amazing game one from the Western Conference Finals. I can't believe we're already in the Conference Finals. Yeah. Well, it's like you get, like, these timeline, like, on this date and whenever, you know, like, 2004. And it's, like, the ones we're getting now are, like, finals games. (laughs) Yeah. And we're just now getting into the Conference Finals because the season got all screwed up, like, starting-wise and all. But, like, it's, like, at the same time, man, I feel like we've, that Philly series that just happened, like it flew by, but every game was just like a heart attack. <laughs> it was a heart attack for the Philly, for Philly fans. I think Atlanta fans are just like, it's all just happy bliss from here on out, right? Like this is way ahead of schedule. Oh yeah, this is, well, it feels like, not to get too far into it this early, but like when Boston kept making it to like, the mm. Eastern Conference Finals, even though like they 100% weren't ready for that. Yeah. Like it was before their time and everything, and everyone annoyed Jason Tatum, like the next dude, um, which he still might be, but like that's not the point. Um, it's it's like that. Mm. You know, you just you you hit a matchup at the right time and you take advantage of it. You win a couple games you're not supposed to, comebacks down 26. Um, <laughs> And all of a sudden, you're somehow in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you have no idea how you got there, and you're just playing with house money. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Every year, I feel like there's at least one team that does this somehow. We had the Heat last year, and I think the year before, it was like the Trailblazers. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of have these incredible runs, and it's really fun to kind of watch along, especially when you have no one. Like, I don't have a dog in the fight, and I just get to watch some awesome playoff basketball. Uh, but Matt, before we get further into this po- episode, uh, if you, people who are listening, haven't followed us on Twitter or Instagram, please go do that now and give us a rating uh, on the podcast platform of your choice. It is greatly, it helps us a ton um, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, if you missed episode 111, we're on episode 112. We did our first part of one two three cancun and we're about to do our second part and it's my favorite part of the playoffs one of my favorite part of the playoffs uh and then we talked about uh conference conference semis um and 
talked about all the series that were going on at the time. That was a week ago, and oh boy, a lot has happened in a week. We usually talk about the news here, but we're not going to talk about the news here because there's one, a lot that's happened, and two, we want to talk about actual basketball because uh, we could probably do like a two and a half hour podcast with all I mean, the stuff. All the, the, the Kimba Walker trade, the, uh, the Walker trade, Rick Carlisle, and the Mavs front office. Does, does anyone have a, a head coach anymore? Like apparently not. Like I, I had to check, <laughs> like just to make sure that the Thunder's coach was still like <laughs> had a job. Uh, I know. Yeah, like Chris Paul's out, Kawhi's out, like, and no one knows why Kawhi's out. It's just an ACL injury, <laughs> an ACL sprain, apparently. Maybe. Um, like yeah. we had a player, like defensive player of the year, MVP, like all that. Like executive of the year was handed out today. Rookie of the year, yeah, yeah. So all the Nets injuries, uh, been dealing with and going through. Ant just going wild. We'll talk about that one a little bit because um, that was actual basketball. Uh, Van Gundy we didn't even talk about Van Gundy. Oh yeah, Van Gundy out. We kind of called Scott that a little bit. Scott Brooks yeah. mutually parting ways. A lot of mutually parting ways here yeah. this offseason. Um, so, yeah, I know just bonkers. The league, there, what day was it? Was it Friday, Thursday? I don't remember where the league it just was the It was the day after Durant's game five. Where the league just went wild with yeah. the news cycle. <laughs> just, like, wouldn't stop. Like, that was, I don't know about you, Ryan, but that was, like, Twitter at its best. <laughs> like, like we woke up to the Kemba Walker trade. I woke up to the Kemba Walker trade. So I think this was Friday. So we woke up to the Kemba Walker trade. And then, like, Rick Carlisle's out all of a sudden. Van Gundy's out all of a sudden. Yeah. And just, like, news after news coming yeah. on Friday. Just incredible. It was wonderful. It was just delightful. Um, <laughs> you're right. We'll, we'll come back to all this um, once we get to, like, the big team. Like, where do we go you know, big picture um, after all of it, but we'll, we'll just get into the one, two, three Cancun, the, the quick hidden, what are we, what are we doing now for uh, these teams that just got bounced in the second round? So let's go, let's go to the West to get us started since that one's been settled for a bit longer. Um, Ryan Denver got swept, but I don't Yeah. It, yeah, I, I mean, the Suns it took care of business in that series, right? It was essentially Jokic, Will Barton tried to come back at some point. Um, and I think the main point here for me is just getting everyone back healthy, right? Um, with this condensed another short offseason, you know, make sure Jokic is getting his rest. He announced he's not playing the, uh, the national team, his Serbian national team. Um, and you got to get Jamal Murray back. Like that, that's point one uh, and two of this offseason for them. You're not going to see any coaching changes. You're probably not going to see any front office changes. This roster is a championship contention roster. Um, it, it's just missing Jamal Murray and some other pieces. Uh, I think the biggest thing here is maybe improving on some bench guys, but I mean, it's not like the bench was bad. No, like Monte Morris really stepped up yeah uh, they have him locked up right for yeah a yeah, deal yeah. Composo so. wasn't bad um 
was like really keeping them in the game in their in game four, like the fourth quarter. Um, so like they have a couple guys, you know, they have some guys on the bench like Jamichael Green, who like he's fine. Paul Millsap, it's fine. You would like for them to probably get like one more wing, even yeah. if it is a bench guy. Like one more, like you can do a little something um, that they don't have, or maybe it's just another creation guy that when the porter comes out, like there's still someone else, like a third guy out there who can do something. But you're right, like they don't, there's no big overhauls here. There's no big transactional changes here. This is probably a let's bring Aaron Gordon in over the offseason, get him fully acclimated in, in the playbook and then get that chemistry with Jokic in the offseason and then run it back. You know, Murray's not going to be playing for a while still, but I I still think Jokic on his own with everyone else healthy is going to get this team to a top four seed, you know, and then Murray is going to be the gravy that could potentially put them over the top. Because you're right, if they're healthy this playoffs, I mean, they still might lose to the Suns, don't get me wrong. Like I don't know that the Suns win or lose that series still, but they would have had. Let's just say they beat the Suns. They would have had as good or better championship odds than anyone else we have remaining at this point. So, you know, obviously injuries are just part of it. But like, you know, the Nets could be saying the same thing here with their guys. But the Nuggets, like, there's no reason to panic here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is like they have to walk that delicate balance now of like keeping everyone versus making some maybe minor moves to keep this championship window as long as open, as long as possible, because we we've seen it so many times before um, where you come back next year and the championship window is like firmly closed, like guys step up and, and then all of a sudden your team's on the wrong side of the window being closed. Right. I mean, thankfully you have an NBA MVP who right. is like in his prime, like not 32 already. Entering yeah. his prime, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And like Jokic had played every single game. And if he's healthy, like you have a chance. He's just one of those five guys in the league. If he's activated on your roster, you have a chance to win a game. Right. And also, quick side, him getting ejected. And, uh, and coming back around to this that's that's crap <laughs> that that was a I thought it was a weak call you know he was like it's a foul like it's a good playoff foul but like I get why he was frustrated but like what what are we doing ejecting him like come on like, if that's LeBron he's not getting ejected right no like yeah. imagine if Durant did that you know it's like you're not throwing Durant out of the game right there like come on like Giannis Giannis isn't going to throw out of the game. Steph's not going to throw out of the game. Draymond's not even going to throw out of the game for that. <laughs> it took Draymond kicking guys like five times for him to get even like ejected and then suspended for a game. Yeah, so, you know, I, that that's crap. But whatever, not to go on that. Um, yeah. We'll do y- Utah. I think oh, this God. is the more disappointing uh, one here. Yeah. Because they had, li- like, this kind of felt like the chance. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of fell right for them, right? Like, they didn't have to play LeBron. Um, they, I mean, they, unfortunately, Mike Conley was injured, but other than that, relatively healthy. Um, 
And I know that's like a big Mike Conley has been awesome for them this year. Big part of why they're the number one seed. Um, but they just couldn't get done. I mean, they had two chances, one chance at home in game five. That's why you go w- get the number one seed. And they yeah. lost, th- lost that. And then they're up 25 in the second half in game six in LA. And they blow that lead. And the no Kawhi. No Kawhi in either game. And uh, they can't get it done. I think this might be, I don't know if Quinn Snyder's job, I mean, I say that Quinn Snyder's probably going to get fired tomorrow. Um, I don't know if Quinn Snyder's job is on the line, but it, it just feels like something's got to change in Utah because this isn't the first time they've had a run stop short. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. One, like Conley, part of the problem we saw is like we said, the nuggets and the, and the nets is when you have, substantial amount of your cap allocated to one player and that one player is not playing then it's like you're wasting 30 million dollars or whatever it may be in this case it's about 30 million dollars it's like that guy's not in the court and then when it comes to rotations okay like you can have joe ingles start right but you're greatly overtasking joe ingles and then who are you having played like the normal joe ingles minutes George Niang was didn't terrible. Work. Yeah, was did not work. <laughs> awful the entire time. Like, did not give him one good minute the entire series. Like, was really bad. Like, that's part of what happens is Ingles can even halfway adequately replace the Conley starter minutes. Then, like, okay, but then who's replacing the 20 Ingles minutes? Yeah. They just, you know, is it a little more Royce O'Neill? That's fine, but, you know that's not helping you creation wise Clarkson. I mean, had a lot of good moments, had an incredible run um, on his own in that game six, but you can't rely on Jordan Clarkson. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He he has one role and that's score the score, the basketball with the second unit. Right. I mean, he's a microwave guy, right? But you can turn a microwave off, you know, like (laughs) how it works. So it, you, there's only like Conley's a reliable guy. You know what he's going to do. He kind of comes back to form. He was shooting well, and at least the defense had to know where he was. But with Donovan playing, and Donovan was hurt, like straight up. Like yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to learn like how bad it really was, but like that dude was hurt. Yeah, game five lives. he could hardly move. So they're playing with no Mike Conley for large parts of the series. Anyway, he comes back, he's still not 100. percent Yeah. You're playing with an obviously hurt Donovan Mitchell. Joe Ingles looked old, like straight up. He looked old. And then the biggest point here is Rudy Gobert just got exposed in those last couple games. And he's a great rim protector. He is. But the dude got exposed again in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the first time this happened, right? Um, And I think, like, if you're a Utah fan, you're saying, well, like Mike Conley unlocks a lot of what Rudy gives you on the offensive end in terms of the law, because like as much as we love Donovan Mitchell, okay, I don't love Donovan Mitchell as much as you. That's a joke. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's not that pass first point guard, right? That Mike Conley is, and that's okay. But, like, it very limits Rudy's effectiveness on one end of the floor. And then when you have guys like Reggie Jackson who just attack Rudy over and over again, it just 
it doesn't bother them, that's when it starts to get like, okay, how effective is this guy in the playoffs? Like in the regular season, obviously he's one of the best centers, but can you give him 30 plus minutes in a playoff series consistently? And I think the answer we've come to is no. No. Well, because so there's two parts to this. One, defensively. Okay, first defensively. Towards the end of game six, like the last bit of it when the Clippers were making the run, it didn't matter if he was at the rim or not. He did not affect a shot. Yeah. He didn't have a block in the last two games, which is remarkable. So if he's going to be out there, he has to, you know, be making a legitimate impact at the rim. And he did early, but not late, and which is when you needed it. Okay, so he's guarding whoever's in the corner, just straight up. They're like technically switching. But so like whoever's in the corner is who do Rudy Gobert's guarding. They try and make it Terrence Mann. Sometimes it's Batum. Sometimes it'd be Morris. Whoever, Rudy Gobert's in the corner. So that way he can help in the lane. And in theory, it's the shortest distance, three-point shot. So he can, in theory, get there, right? Even if he got there, Terrence Mann was putting him on his head. <laughs> Terrence Mann owns Rudy Gobert at this point, right? Like dunking on him, hitting multiple threes in his face like it didn't matter to terrence man who that person was seven foot two three-time defensive player of the year gave no <laughs> craps about that you know yeah and it's just like if terrence man doesn't care who you are you you've lost like the thing that makes you the dominant player right yeah and 100 and is. like paul george figured that out too and that's why the series kind of flipped on its head it was like a game like two, maybe three, Paul George just decided to go downhill and stop taking jumpers and attack Rudy Gobert over and over and over again. And like, that's why the Clippers are now in the Western conference finals. They stopped selling for like all the jump shots. Cause like, especially like Paul George, you got to know like Reggie Jackson's going to take those. I'm settling for this jump shot, jump shot, right? Like he's doing that. So you cannot also do that then. Like you got to have variants within your team's offense and Paul George. I mean, as much crap as he had deserved up to this point played really well. These last two games had a couple moments, you know, here and there, but like for the most part, he was really, really spectacular. And then it's like, if Paul George is like, I'm driving at Rudy Gobert, Terrence Mann's like, I'm driving at Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Just anyone who had the ball was like, even Reggie Jackson was like, I'll go at him. You know, like, <laughs> whatever Reggie Jackson but like you know like that's just a point of like no one cared yeah. that it was Rudy Gobert anymore running out at them or staying in front of the paint and then on the offensive end we've talked about this before with Rudy you're seven foot two like if all you can do on offense is catch dunks what what do you actually do he's gotten a little better at like catching like five feet from the basket and like having a slightly more creative finish when needed, but like, that's it. It's all pick and roll hard dives, whether it's a dunk or not, that's all it is. He has no real passing ability at this point. He can't catch the ball at the free throw line and do anything. He kind of can run it, run a DHO, but like not really, you know? So it's like, what do you, what do you do, man? Like, what do you, (sighs) actively do in the playoffs and that's the key point is the playoffs that like we should a hundred percent keep you on the court for 30 plus minutes 
Yeah, I and, think I think you know? the biggest thing is like I don't know, I, like it felt like Utah dissolved, and they they've had a tendency to do this, and the playoffs make you do this to an extent, but they just get so isolation heavy, so ISO heavy, and like I think that dilutes some of Rudy Gobert. I it's I'm sounding like Definitely a Rudy. Does. Rudy defender here but like I don't love that he's the he's always screening for the ball handler like is there not some off ball action that you can get Rudy involved in like could he not like Joe Ingles went super cold in this series shooting like he was like a 50% three point shooter during the year and I don't don't know what his numbers were it wasn't 50% I can tell you that much watching the series like, was there not some action, like, off-ball with even Jordan Clarkson? I know Jordan Clarkson usually has the ball ball in his hand, but, like, it never felt like any – if, like, you didn't have the ball and you were Utah Jazz, like, you weren't being used at all. You were just kind of standing and staring. There wasn't any movement. Like, this team is a smart passing team, and, like, it never felt like they could get any sort of rhythm as a team going. And maybe part of that's the Conley injury. Because, yeah. like, he's a big, like, if you pass it to me on the wing and I have a good shot, but Bogdanovich has a great shot in the corner, I'm going to pass it to him. Like, 99 times out of 100, Mike Conley's making that pass. But, like, when it's Royce O'Neal or Jordan Clarkson or whoever catching it on the wing there, they're like, it's going up. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. like, it may not even be a bad shot, right? We said it was a good shot. But, like, what about that one more pass? Like you got to work for the great shot. Shots. Yeah. Right. The Utah Jazz. Like they played Spurs basketball, like is what we said throughout the year. And they just didn't play that. And I get it. Donovan was great. He was your only consistent source of offense. Bunch of dudes couldn't hit shots outside of like that one quarter where Bogdanovich was just bananas. Was that like game five or whatever? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and then Clarkson's run in game six. Like no one else could consistently hit a shot. So like I get it. Like why you had to do that. Also, the Clippers' like defense was good. Like it was. Like it's not just like the Jazz were like just ineptly dribbling the ball around the court, you know. So, like there is credit to the Clippers in that. But like they made the Jazz look. I mean, what that was four straight. They reeled off four games. Yeah, because they were up two zero. Yeah, they just made the Jazz look like like you don't belong out here. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like until. I don't want to sound like a Royce O'Neal hater. I think he was fine this series. Like you got to upgrade that. Like if we're talking about off season, you have to minimize his role. Yeah. Transactions. I think that's the kind of role you're looking to upgrade um, in some shape or form, like that wing defender, but everyone else is (laughs) looking to do that. Right. Sure. Uh, So it's going to be tough, but uh, I mean, it's going to start getting really tough for the jazz to upgrade anything because they have Rudy's extension about to kick in. They have Donovan's extension about to kick in. And then they have Mike Conley on the books. That's what a hundred million dollars right there. Give or take. That's that's the cap. That's it. I know. Right. It's like, you got like 10, $20 million more for the rest of your team. Yeah. You know, without going like way into the tax. So Right, and who knows? Maybe they're willing to pay that in Utah. But, like, if they're not, then this is bad. Because they also – didn't they already sign Clarkson? I think so. Yeah, anyway. they may have given him an extension already. So that's just the thing. is like you kind of are who you are 
in terms of the core um, without making a major trade. But like after watching that uh, to get like so far into this, like who wants to trade for Rudy Gobert right now? You know, it's like, cause like I would have to give up a ton. Yeah. We use significant, you know, portion of our cap space on this guy and he's good to help us get to the playoffs, but not win in the playoffs. So like, why would we do that? You know, some teams might do it, but yeah, it's a great question. Um, and Utah might be happy keeping him, but I feel like after being up three one on the Nuggets in round one last year, and then this kind of being up two zero on the Clippers, like there, you have to start looking at these things. Yeah, let me say this: if they're going to be happy keeping Rudy Gobert for the next five years. That means they're also going to be sad to lose Donovan Mitchell in about three years. <laughs> oh, uh, let's go to the East, Ryan. Uh, well, let's do the Nets first. I can't. I can't do Philly yet. Um, <laughs> we're still. We're still processing what happened. Ah, I see you there. I see you. Um, so the Nets um, get bounced by Milwaukee. I'm not gonna lie. Like again, I don't have a horse in this race. I was hoping Brooklyn would win because I'm not trying to watch Milwaukee <laughs> anymore. I'm very overwatching Milwaukee in this clanky, herky jerk offense, but like they won. Oh my God. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Like I, kudos to Kevin Durant for what he did in those like last games to keep the nets Incredible. even, even in it. Right. Um, and they had got good production from guys like Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown and yeah. even uh, Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff. Yeah, he had um, a couple of nice games in there too. Um, and if they stay healthy, they win that series. Like, it's just as simple as that. It's um, like if, if Harden was healthy yeah. or Kyrie was healthy or if Joe Harris could make more than two shots per game. Yeah. Any one of those things happen, the Nets win the series. Yeah, it's a game of inches, right? And like Katie's toe being on the line is the difference between the Nets being in the conference finals and the Bucks being in the conference. I love finals. his quote after the game too. <laughs> like, like he was like my big ass feet, like <laughs> on the line. <laughs> you uh, know, it's crazy. I didn't know he wore a size up in basketball. Yeah, he wears an eighteen when he's really a seventeen. Um, which is just painful. Like, do you think about changing that strategy after that shot, like at all? No. Yeah. You but, won a championship, like you're, you're good. like I no. I would just like be that would keep me up at night. Well, because that shot was so ridiculous. Like, yeah, that was like if they win that game, like if that was a three instead of a two, and they win the game right there, like that's like a top ten all time. Yeah, that's that's an all time not only performance but shot. Like that's right. up there with like. I wouldn't say like some of Jordan's playoffs shots, but oh my God, like that was the biggest, like incredible. How in the world did you make that go in shots? That's like in that category, right? He was a monster. Just like watching the games, there were just like spurts where it's just like, there is nothing Milwaukee can do to stop this guy. Like you have no chance. And he's just getting to that elbow he's pulling up and there's nothing you can do he goes to like that baseline and it's like 
the little like 10 foot baseline shot is money. I think he's hit like a thousand percent from that spot. Like I've never, I don't, I feel like I've seen him never miss just like like, absolutely matter who was putting a hand up, like in how close they were. It was automatic. Like it was remarkable to see it. Like the only like bad shot. It felt like he had the entire game six was the last shot. Yeah. Yeah. In game seven that just couldn't get to the rim where he He had had no legs. Yeah. He was exhausted. You could tell when he caught the ball. He's like, I can't, can't get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's three straight games playing. I mean, he played 48 minutes, I think like 45 in game six. Basically and then, the entire game. And then like 50 in game seven, which is just yeah. ridis- ridiculous. Um, it, I, again, this is the same conversation with like the Nuggets. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, I think you kind of just keep everything the same. Like you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. And as far as like, as far as we know, they're happy. And if that's the case, you know, run it back, bring Blake back. I think he was productive. He was a nice piece. I don't think I, you know, bring some of these fringe guys back and, you know, trade, do a sign trade for Spencer Dinwiddie. Right. Um, Cause he turned down his option today. So he's open. He is eligible for the sign trade. Um, so, and get some assets back. I mean, I don't know what you could get back, but like, this is a championship contention team still. Like, it's not like this is a window is closed for them. Yeah, no, you're right. Because like they have on their bench, like their bench isn't bad. It's like a, like a collection of like, oh yeah, you're an NBA player type guys you know like the mike james or you know the tlc's of the world and stuff so you're right they they got their three joe harris he's going to play better than this in the future he just is because he can't play any worse blake griffin like in theory you'd like to bring him back and maybe he's like i just really enjoyed it here i'll Mm. take another discount to like stay here you know and then you should bring back bruce brown I don't know if you'll be able to afford to bring back Bruce Brown. Yeah, I mean, he he was really good for them. He was part of their best lineups. Um, But if there's some way you can keep Bruce Brown, like, you got to keep Bruce Brown. Yeah. I mean, that dude, when he goes up for a rebound, like, he's, like, legit getting as high as, like, Brooke Lopez and Giannis were. Like, that was incredible to watch. He saved their season, like, at one point. I don't know if it was in overtime or in the fourth quarter, but he fought Giannis for a rebound. And it ended up being Nets ball. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what, I forgot what happened, but like at the moment it was like, oh my God, he just saved their season. He was like that energy, the Mark Smart type guy for them, right? Like everyone needs one of those guys. And, he, and it's like so hard to find one of those guys who like just doesn't care when and where he gets the ball. But when he gets it, like he knows what to do. And then he does everything else well. Like he'll guard Chris Middleton on one end and then be the center on the other at six foot five, you know, like that's just incredible stuff. Like you're right. You try and bring that back if possible. And you're right. Maybe you try and make some fringy trades. Like, I mean, can you dump DeAndre Jordan or something? Like, you know, (laughs) I think he's a package deal. Like he has to be in Brooklyn since Kyrie and Katie are, but this is, I mean, this team every year is going to be a buyout 
type of team. Yeah. Like they're gonna get those fringe guys like Blake. They got Lamarcus Aldridge, who ended up retiring this year. But all of those guys are gonna be the typical guys they signed during the season. Yeah. So that's the thing. It, this is again a no panic thing for the Nets. It didn't work, and you have the perfect out because of the injuries. Run it back, do it again, maybe improve some of your bench pieces and go from there. That's yeah. straight up, simple, easy, do it, and uh have another four years like this. Um not so easy though. <laughs> it's time, Matt. It's oh, time yeah. to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and what we just watched. It's I, hilarious. Man. Like, I'm at a I I like it's been maybe an hour since the game's over, and I'm just still at a loss for what just happened. Like, after game one, I thought, okay, that's cute. Like, Atlanta's, you know, putting up a good fight. This is going to be, like, a five, six-game series max. Should have been. Should have (laughs) been. But then Shake Milton has to come save their butts in game two? Right. And, right. Game three, got that one. Game four, below it. Game five, below it. Like, that should have been it, though. That should have been the end of the series. It should be Philly and five right there. And it wasn't. And then game six, Philly does somehow win. Honestly, like they, I'm not I – I had no confidence that they were going to win that game. Um, just watching it throughout. In game seven, from the get-go, it never felt like Philly was going to win this game. Like – the crowd was super in it. I know that Embiid had some great moments. I get it. At no point did I feel like Philly ever was in control of that game. This The crowd all game just wanted to get up and just get so loud and ruckus for this team. And the team gave them no opportunity to do it. Like the best example, and I mean, this play is going to be talked about until the end of time, I think, was the Matisse-Thibel steal on the other end, turnover by Atlanta, dunk, transition dunk by Thibault and then the next shot we get is Philly fans going nuts and then the cut to the other side of the basket where John Collins is just dunking the ball because right. all it was of like, the like three and a half seconds after the Thibault dunk Collins and, dunking on the other end and I think all the Philly players were stunned one that they scored a basket in transition because good <laughs> lord they couldn't do that for to save their lives and two that could John Collins just put the ball back in it it was a one-point game at that point after that Thibel dunk and then it ballooned back to a three-point game and it just felt like that was the push and pull all game with this Philly team is that they would get it to tie maybe even take the lead there was a point it was 84 80 and I thought okay this is where it's Philly's time they're going to take this over and Trey Young comes down and hits like two mid range or a mid range and then a floater and ties the game at 84. Mm-hmm. Like it, this Philly team is so inept on offense. They couldn't score a hundred points tonight. Against the Atlanta Hawks. Let, the Hawks suck on the <laughs> Let this sink in. They played Lou Williams and Trey Young together. together for multiple minutes. They did they did this for multiple games now. And Philly, like Never could take advantage of it. We're talking about Lou Williams, who got played off the floor in how many playoff series? Right, when he's with LA. All of them, essentially. Right. And, and you can't find a way 
to get a single bucket? Like Seth Curry is your best offense? Yeah, like the so not to get off on too many side roads here, but like Seth not playing what felt like a majority of the fourth quarter because they're like he's getting cooked, but it's like on the defensive end, but it's like he's your only guard who can play offense right now. Like don't get me wrong, I love the whole Tyrese Maxey like game six thing, but like he wasn't hitting tonight. And George Hill was just nothing all game. You know, Shake got five minutes of run today. You're obviously not getting anything from Thibel. Corkmaz, you know what he's giving you, which is a spacing option. That's it. Like that's what why not play Seth Curry? Just I don't care if you're gonna give up points. You're the only chance we have of scoring. That that was the weird and I think you could tell by his body language. He was really checked out. Um, Seth. Yeah. When he came back came out of the game, because they did some defensive swaps and they mm-hmm. pulled him at one point and it cut over to him walking back to the bench. And you just tell the look on his face. He was like, Why am I not in this game right now? Well, he's probably pissed he's getting scored on by Kevin Herter. <laughs> <laughs> but also like the whole like okay, dude, like what's what's better than this? Like you know, yeah. Like, what else are we gonna do here? I, I mean, like, I get you're getting scored on by Kevin Herter, but like, Seth has been your most consistent source of offense. He's shooting what, like, he shot like a ridiculous fifty percent from three in this series or something like that. Like, he's your only perimeter offense at this point. It's him and Joel, and that's it. And it's like was eight for 24 from the field today, somehow got to 24 points, but you can't do that on eight for 24 from the field, right? At least like, he kind of showed up. The other night he had like four points. He barely... He didn't, he didn't shoot the ball today. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing is like, we're, we haven't talked about Ben Simmons yet. We will, but like, for Philly, there's only so many guys... Like, I don't know why we're playing Dwight Howard. Why are we playing this bench crew still? That's just well, like they they refuse one like they got to play Joel as many minutes as they can. Playing him forty one minutes today. I mean, dude's on a bum knee. I get it. Okay, so for the tonight, it was seven minutes. He's not in. Who are we playing at the five? Doc Rivers is going to play a center. It's just what he's going to do. But the other thing is, okay, who's the small ball option then? Right that. You know, in LA, it's Nick Batum, for example, right? Here, what's the small ball option? Well, what makes sense is Ben Simmons. But they they literally ran that for a total of zero minutes this year. So I get why you're not going to try it now in game seven of the playoffs. But for the love of God, try it. <laughs> but you're willing to throw Shake Milton in? In the last five minutes, out Seth Curry, right? Yeah, in the most like important game of this like series, and maybe your coaching job is on the line. Like, and you decide to throw out Shake Milton. Like, what? What? At what point does it? Do you just say screw it? Ben Simmons, Tobias, and Corkmaz, Seth Curry, and Maxi. You're running out there. We're just gonna try to score on him for the next five minutes of this game. Play enough defense, and let's just see if we can score. Right, because it's not like Atlanta was, like, overly hitting tonight. Like, seriously, like, outside of, like, Kevin Herter and then kind of a late-ish push from Gallinari, no one was hitting particularly efficiently. Like, 
Collins was five for six. That's good, but he's only taking six shots. You know, Capella is six for eight. They're all dunks. You know, Trey Young, five for 23, was terrible. I tweeted that at halftime. That was the worst second quarter, he, um, worst quarter he's played his entire life. Yeah. And Bogdanovich obviously was hurt, eventually got pulled out of the game just straight up, was two for eight. Like, no one else was doing anything. So, you know, it's just like, what do we, I, there just comes a point where if you're feeling like, I don't know, just go out and try and win the game. You know, <laughs> like Philly had, I mean, it's indicative of this Philadelphia team. They had so many chances to win this series and win this game seven, and they just couldn't get it done. Um, and it was super unfortunate, but I mean, this bench sucks. And when you have a superstar, not even a superstar, a player who refuses to look at the rim and you're starting five. You're not going to win playoff series. Yeah. You're just not. Like, there's no way to get around it. I mean, it's, it's been proven now. The last three games of the series. Ben Simmons does not want the ball. Like, just straight up. Like, what? Like, he had quite a few assists. Like, he's a good and willing passer. That's not the problem, obviously. Like, he can pass. And if you think that makes him a point guard, so be it. But to be a point guard, like – you know, it's not like we're asking him to be like young Ricky Rubio out here. Like we're, we're, we're past that. Right. It's not just about spray the ball around and try and get 15 assists while having four points. That's not good enough in the NBA nowadays, period, let alone for a guy who's getting paid 30 plus million dollars and is supposed to be one of the 20 best players in the league. Like there's just, it's similar to the go bear thing. Like, I get you're very good at certain things, but there come a point where, like, we need you to be more than this or more overtly dominant at the things you are good at. And, like, the the collapse games, five and six, I get why you pull Ben Simmons off the court because of the offense, but it's not like he was giving you anything on defense either because the Hawks were just putting up baskets, you know? It's hey. the Gobert thing. Like, you can be out there, but, like, Clippers were just scoring on him. Yeah. And at some point, I think Trey just like, I mean, it Ben was, it, Trey was quicker than Ben at some points yeah. um, in this series. And he just beat him to a spot. Um, I mean, we've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast. Ben Simmons hasn't expanded his office game. Therefore, Philly has a cap, a ceiling on the team, right? That's been the case for the last few years. Um, we've gotten the answer to our question. Can Ben Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid coexist? The answer is no. No. And we've known this answer for three years, at least. Since the Toronto series, probably. Yeah. That I mean, that was the closest glimpse we got of them maybe winning a championship. And I totally this, get like the whole, like, if that ball bounces out, though, maybe Philly does go win it and all is happy and glory. But like, that's the point with Philly is like with these two guys as the, your core and whomever else around him, them or coaching them, those things never go their way. So maybe it's just, what's the constant here. It's those two as the core and losing big moments. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing there 
the caveat there is you had a different player on your team named <laughs> named uh, Jimmy Butler, right? And he was the reason why you were in that series for a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. that last series. They don't have that guy. They don't have that guy to bail them out. Like my biggest thing with Philly is when you're down three, who do you turn to? In theory, I guess now it's Joel Embiid. And he has been great this year, though. Yeah, he's an MVP. He's an MVP candidate. He's probably the MVP if he stays healthy. But it's the same thing over and over with him, which is he's going to get hurt. Like, he's got this torn meniscus in his knee, like partially torn, whatever. He's on a bum knee. And he's going to get fatigued because he's 7'2", 280 pounds. Like, yeah, he's going to get fatigued. I get it. You're in a high pace, active, up and down game. Of course, he's going to get fatigued. And there's just no way around that. Mm. Like the only like big man it felt like who could truly be giant and do that was like young Shaq. Yeah. Right. Whereas like that dude might be like 280 pounds, but it does not matter. He's the most athletic dude on the court. Right. Like Joel is just not that he's never going to be that. And that's fine. Like he's the closest thing maybe we've had to that, but he's not that. He's never going to be that. Like you can't get over being big because being big is who he is. So it's like you can throw it to him and he'll do things. I mean, and he'll he ended up putting up 31 again tonight, averaged like 38 per game at home this series or whatever. Incredible player. But there just comes a point where like giving him the ball with you know 45 seconds left down three, like you said. He's just going to be gassed by that time. It just is. You have to avoid those moments at all costs. <laughs> and you have no one outside of Joel who can help you avoid those moments. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we talked about Ben Simmons and we mentioned Tobias Harris, but like both those guys to me, like this roster outside of Joel and Bean, like the rest is a bunch of question marks. Yeah. Like, I get why you want to bring back Seth Curry, but Seth Curry's a role player, yeah. right? Like, I get why you want to bring back Tyrese Maxey. He's just finished his rookie year and is still figuring out what the heck to do. I get why you want to bring back Matisse Thibel. He's still got a long way to go on offense. And you got to understand, like, he's already, like, 24 years old, like, 24, 25. Like, he's as old as, like, Ben Simmons. So, you know, you can bring him back, sure, but, like, his window is these next few years also outside of that. Like I don't even know who Philly wants to bring back because Tobias Harris doesn't feel worth it, but like who's taking that deal. Ben Simmons, like you want him to work, but at this point it just doesn't. His trade value has gone down so much. We're talking about him for James Harden straight up. Does James, if James Harden's healthy, the Philly wins the series, right? Yeah, easily. And then at the trade deadline, they tried to get Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry helps him win the series, right? Yeah. Like they, that's would, what... they wouldn't have choked four and five with Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Well, the, the series would have been, I mean, someone outside of Seth Curry. And I know like, we're probably going to hear, like, if you're a Philly fan right now, you're saying, well, Danny Green's hurt. Like, Danny Green wasn't helping you win this playoff series. Like, he wasn't the difference between, like, Bogdanovich was hurt for Atlanta. Like, I for night. Andre Hunter got hurt. 
Yeah, right? exactly. Wow. Yeah. I, everyone has injuries at this point. And, I mean, Dan Green wasn't going to be the solution. No, 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 not at all. Like, he would have done exactly what Korkmaz did. Yes. Yeah. To be honest, like, you know, maybe he would have randomly got hot in one of those games. Again, maybe he's the one who gets randomly hot in game five towards the end and saves you know, the season. Saves it back to them. Right. Again, maybe that does happen. You could convince me of that. But in this game, you can't tell me with the utmost certainty that Danny Green goes out there and shoots like six for eight from three and plays stellar defense and doesn't let Herter get going. You know, like I'm I'm past that with Danny Green at this point. Yeah. 100%. So, I don't know. Do you look at Doc as your coach? Do you keep him? Do you bring him back? No, I think you do. Like, I'm not saying Doc is, like, a top three coach in the league. But, like, he is a very good coach. If – and this is the bottom line point. If Joel Embiid likes him, you keep him mm. at this point. Mm. You know, you can't be turning over and have three different coaches in three years trying to do three different systems, like – I know how to fix this. And then, you know, it takes a year to learn what they're trying to teach you anyway. And it usually takes till year two to like really get it going and get like everyone on the same page and all. So like, I'm generally not a fan for turning over the coach every year, unless it's like just one of those awful situations, like the Indiana thing this year. Mm. Like, Mm. no, you gotta get that going. Like get that out of here. You know, Van Gundy in New Orleans, for whatever reason, that didn't work. You can talk about that on a different pod. He, but he had to, he had to get it gone, you know. This is not one of those, but it feels like a Daryl Moore is just licking his chops. He was like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> I mean, this is it. This is like this next year is gonna be it for. It feels like if they don't make any sort of significant next step, making it to the conference finals. I mean, it's the same conversation we've had this year with Milwaukee. Like, if they can't make, take that next step, does Joel eventually win out? Like, what what are we talking about here long term? Um, and Ben Simmons' value has gone down so much over the last few weeks that it's going to be hard to find value back for what you feel like you should be getting Ben Simmons back for. This is not going to be an easy offseason for Philly. No. That, that, and that's the point is even if you do trade Simmons, you're not going to get what you want. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like we're talking you, about what the owners think they should be getting for Ben Simmons. You're not going to get that. Like we were talking, I mentioned earlier, we're talking Ben Simmons for James Harden straight up. Now we're talking about players like CJ McCollum in that tier player. Like you're right. not in the same conversation anymore. Well, it's because. Ben Simmons, I don't think, is in the same conversation anymore of, like, where are you in the NBA hierarchy? He's yeah. not a superstar, and I'm not even sure he's a star. Yeah. I, I guess uh, this is a different topic for a different podcast, but I think we use the word star too much in the NBA. And I think oh. Ben Simmons is the perfect, perfect case for that. He is great at what he does. He's a great role player. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, Draymond was like on what inside the NBA uh, the other night and was like, he's the worst version of me in, in every way, but he's me, you know? And it's like, and Draymond knows he's not a, you know, top guy in the league, 
yeah. you know, is all time. Like he, he should be respected as like a dude who made a legitimate impact on those title teams. And like, maybe he thinks of himself as like a top 20 player in the game. But if Draymond, you know, because of at his peak. Yeah. 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 Consideration of what he did um, on the court. Like he really was incredible um, when he could shoot, when he didn't look like he's carrying a backpack everywhere. Um, and then the passing and Draymond Green, like straight up, like is one of the greatest defenders like in the league or like historically. Like he mm-hmm. really is great. Mm-hmm. If he's like Ben Simmons is the worst version of me in every way. What does that make Ben Simmons? Like a top 40 player in the league ish. He's like, we talk about fifth starters are the time. Is he not just like a fifth starter at this point? With is it, the problem is he has the body of Superman. Right. Yeah. And so like he looks different. He's not one of these six, five Lou Dort looking wings that it's like, yeah, I recognize you're well built, but you know, six, five is pretty normal in the NBA. You're, you're a very good defender, but you know, at the end of the day, offense is valued more than defense. Oh, that's great. You, you got a few points for us. That's gravy. But like, that's really what Ben Simmons is, you know, at this point, like it kind of feels like it, like, Maybe he proves us all wrong, but again, we're in what year six now with the Ben Simmons experiment, and we're going into year six or whatever. Like, we kind of know what he is at this point, right? Hasn't and like I said, he hasn't expanded any part of his game. Like he's a, he's still an awesome defender, but offensively, he just like stands next to the basket. Like they, that's it. And that's the problem for me in Philly is you had all year to figure something out for him. Yeah. And in, in, in these situations, like regular season is different than the playoffs. Yeah. And it's like Doc Rivers of all people knows you don't just plan for the regular season. You plan for the playoffs. Like you prepare when you're playing the Charlotte Hornets on a random Wednesday night, you do these things. So that way you get the reps in. Right. When you're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers on a Friday, you do these things so that way you have the experience going into the big games. Any of you do it for like one big regular season game, do it against a higher level competition. And then when you need to in the playoffs, you do it. And they didn't do it all year. It's like they just refused. And I don't know if that's a Doc Rivers thing. I don't know if it's a Ben Simmons thing. I don't know if that's a Philly thing. I don't know what it is but it's someone's thing that they won't let go of. And I, it gets to the point of like, what are we doing anymore? You know, it just feels like this has to be broken up. Right. We're going into year six of Ben Simmons and he hasn't gotten better on that end of the court. Yeah. And that's just, it is like, if you haven't expanded any part of your game, like Lou Dort in a in a shortened off season, like you mentioned, Lou Dort. I mean, he obviously had an expanded role because there was no one in Oklahoma City. But he was like point Dort, like he was running the offense sometimes for Oklahoma City. I know it's different for championship contender, but like you can't expand your offensive game at all. Like Ben Simmons has regressed on offense, and he used to t- take elbow jumpers. Remember yeah. that. He well, it's like I was gonna make this point on the Bucks. Um, we get to them, but like Giannis, okay, again, don't really encourage him to be shooting like a ton of threes. 
like there were multiple times in this Brooklyn series where like he would catch that ball. They're giving him, you know, 10 feet of space and he would start to go really fast downhill. And then he'd do like the Westbrook, like stop on a Mm. dime at the elbow. And the defenders are like, Oh crap. He's not like on the elbow. He's like a step inside the elbow. Like they're like, this is an eight foot shot for a guy whose arms are super long. So it's really like, he's only like four feet from the basket, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, that's a great shot. You know, like, it's a simple, easy, wide open, like seven, eight foot jump shot. And it's like Ben Simmons doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't, and he should. Like he has the same length that I mean, not the same length, but he he has the body size to do it. And like I don't know, like John Collins was guarding him most of the series and didn't even pay him any attention. Like right. you couldn't take like three of those shots. Like, come on. Yeah. Think about these guys from this draft class. I know not to go on too much side tangent, but like similar-ish position body type guys. Brandon Ingram, gotten so much better since getting in the league, right? Jalen Brown. Like Jalen Brown was a project at like the number three pick. Think how much better he has gotten. Like Demonis Sabonis has gotten so much better. You remember that in Oklahoma City? Yeah, he looked lost. I, I didn't – I like, I thought he was never going to be a thing in the NBA. Now he's an all-star. He was an all-star. Right. And, of course, when everyone loves to bring up Pascal Siakam. Oh, my God. Like, and these are really just dudes with, like, similar body types. We're, like, we're not even talking about, like, guards here, like the Jamal Murrays of the world. That it's, like, of course, they've gotten better as well. So, you know, it's, like, again – not a particularly strong class on your weak draft, but it's like, dude, you can get better. Like you've been in the league long enough now to like, you've had legitimate time and off seasons. And really you mentioned it was just the first year where you had the injury where you missed the first year. You've been here. You, you could have done this by now. Like not saying you have to have like an all-star level jump shot by this point, but having a jump shot, you had one of the best shooters maybe in league history on your team for like two or three years and JJ Redick and you never once like I don't know used him as a shooting coach well then like we get these like oh no he can shoot threes and it's like no he can't no if he could shoot them he would take them if he could take elbow jump like if he could shoot and make elbow jumpers consistently he would do it quit telling me he can do it quit showing me practice videos do it in a game right and it's it's it's, it's this not the Markel thing all over again. It's in his head. It's straight up. It's either he legitimately can't do it, which I tend to believe NBA players can make the shot, you know, because you're an NBA basketball player. It's in his head, straight up. I don't. I, he needs a he needs a change of change of scenery, right at this point, and uh, he's not going to get it in Philly. Yeah, Philly. Like this is just the worst city for him right like, <laughs> it may have been the worst situation to come into right because like you have a, a star a rising star in Joel Embiid it, it feels like Ben Simmons needed the Devin Booker like just play on any random crappy team for two years and then you'll be good just like work on your moves work on your your like, you have to score offensively. Yeah, like, he, like we, he would have been forced to yeah, score. You have to shoot 20 times a game. Like, yeah. we have no one else. Right. But he wasn't. They somehow got really good. His skill set complemented for a bit. 
it was cool when you were an up and coming team, but like now that you're here, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. He's just, just like the, the image that's going to stick with me to, from tonight until the end of time is Ben Simmons in transition has one-on-one. The only thing, only person between him and the basket is Kevin Herter and he pulls it out and passes out Seth Curry and they don't get a basket. But like, cause he's like, I'm not getting fouled. And that's, that was the thing from tonight. He took four field goal attempts and only two free throws. If Ben Simmons is taking four field goal attempts on the, you know, the official stat book, it better be, be because he took 14 free throws because they were hacking mm. him every time he got yeah. inside. But no, it was just, he just didn't want the ball. Just straight up did not want the ball tonight. Like he made some great passes. Don't get me wrong. He did. Didn't want the ball. It's like, go to the free throw line. I don't care if you miss. Go to the free throw line, though. Get there. Showed us you can make it. Giannis in game seven. He wanted it. He wanted it. One, two, three. <laughs> he wanted all the smoke. Yeah. Uh, and he did not step shy away from the moment at all. But that's the difference between an MVP and a role player. Yeah. One guy wanted the ball. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to keep shooting. Yeah. 100%. And Giannis kind of got hot from the free throw line there. Um, he made like seven in a row there. Yeah, I know. Um, when, when they were doing the counting thing. And Ben Simmons wants nothing to do with it. Just nothing to do with it. And at that point, it's like, okay, so you're like the fifth offensive option. You're like, you're Andre Robertson out here, right? You're like old Lou Dort. <laughs> at least Lou Dort game seven took shots. Yeah, right. But that's the thing. Like if Ben Simmons could shoot the corner three, he would shoot the corner three because he would be wide open to shoot it. As we know, it just didn't, didn't want it. I mean, we've been, I've been saying this. I think we, you and I have both been saying this. Like you're telling me you can't find one possession a game in the regular season where Ben Simmons takes a quarter three, like we one possession playing off of him. Yeah. Right. Like one possession. He's in the corner. He takes three. It's just mind boggling to me it is absolutely mind boggling. He has a max rookie extension, and he can't figure this crap out. It, it, again, this is the – if you don't do it, it's because you don't want to do it. Like, that's just the point it's at. Like, you are in the league. You have gotten paid. You are with – you are still, like, with the team that drafted you. It's not like you had some big shift, right? You got a new head coach, but, like, whatever. Everyone gets a new coach, like, four years into the league. Like – just, that's the going rate of coaches nowadays. He just doesn't want it. I, I'm just I'm thoroughly convinced that he just doesn't want it. If Ben Simmons wins an MVP ever in his career, I would still be out on Ben Simmons. <laughs> that's how out I am on this dude. I mean, he's getting paid next year, 33 million. Year after, 35 and a half. Year after, almost 38. Year after, just over 40 million. Would you rather have Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook at this point? Retire. Um, <laughs> I'm a GM. I'm, I'm pulling the Donnie Nelson. <laughs> Is it? But, like, you kind of have to think about it. And either decision is not great. I mean, the decision is to pick Simmons because he can stay in the league for the next four years, whereas Westbrook, I don't know about that. But – you know, but I get the point of like at least Westbrook's doing things on the court. At least you know what you're gonna get from Russell Westbrook. 
He's going to go four for 13 from the field. He's going to have somehow get to like 12, 10, and 11, right? But like, you know, whatever. Anyway, but at least know what you're getting. Ben Simmons, I know what I'm getting at this point when it comes to the playoffs. It's somewhere between none and not a lot. It's amazing. It's just incredible. Uh, let's talk about I, – I can't – I don't think I can talk to any more 76ers, at least not tonight. Um, let's talk about some actual basketball that's going to happen. Team's um, still playing. Team's still playing basketball. We have no basketball the day this is going to publish, so Monday – um, we have a day off. I think I need, my heart needs a break. <laughs> um, then we have Milwaukee, Atlanta in the conference, Eastern Conference Finals. Matt, did you have this as your Eastern Conference Finals? Because I surely, I sure didn't. No. Whoever bet this going into like the playoffs, can you imagine if someone bet that going into the regular season? What the odds were on that? Holy um, God. It looked like the Hawks weren't going to make the playoffs at one point during the season. They fired their coach because they were like 10 games, like under 500 or whatever. Um, I mean, this Atlanta Hawks, like we say, it's like the old Boston Celtics from like a couple of years ago. Just playing with house money, young team, fun team, just let fly, gives no Fs, like just let, just doing their thing. Um, I think the it, biggest. I think the biggest question for me in this series is does Trey Young finally get exposed on the defensive end? Because we've been waiting two series now for him to get involved in some sort of some sort of offensive set on the defensive side of the ball for Atlanta. And neither team apparently can figure out two plus two equals four. Um, and I think we're gonna see a lot of Trey Young trying to attempt to guard Giannis. Is the Bucks like in that Nets series, I not that the Nets have like any one great perimeter defender, but like they went after certain guys um, yeah. in that Nets series, like actively. So you got to think they're going to try and do that again, right? Um, and also, Drew Holiday is a spectacular defender. Yeah, Drew Holiday defender than like Matisse Stiple is. So like he's going to give Trey problems. Yeah, and Chris Middleton. I mean, I, I just think Milwaukee matches up so well with this team. Yeah. And that, like, Brooke Lopez can play drop coverage. Trey Young's not a lights out three point shooter. Um, no. There's not that, like, lights out three point shooter that can really expose that drop coverage defense by Milwaukee. Maybe, I like Kevin. Mi- maybe Kevin Herter if he's <laughs> feeling it. <laughs> but, like, other than that, like, it feels like a really good Brooke Lopez series. Like he could take advantage of Clint Capella. Yeah. It feels like a good Chris Middleton matchup. They don't have a good answer for Chris Middleton. The best answer is John Collins. And John Collins isn't the best perimeter Honestly. defender. Right. And then it's like, who's guarding Giannis? Yeah. And that's going to be the ultimate problem. Like who's guarding Giannis? Um, Cause you know, in the Philly series, it's like, okay, we're going to put Capella on Embiid and, you know, double from there. But, like, with Giannis and Lopez, it's like, I don't know, do you put Capella on Giannis, I guess, maybe? I um, guess. If you're, if you're going to play 12 feet off of him, then I guess, you know? Um, and then let someone else guard Lopez in the corner. It'll be interesting to see how Atlanta wants to approach this. But also, you're, I think you got to that main point pretty early on of they're going to go at Trey Young. 
like they're going to go at Bogdanovich if he's still hurting. Um, like they're, they're going to make this a problem. And hopefully they learn the lesson from that last Brooklyn game, like where they honestly didn't go at Harden enough um, when he was hobbled um, in game six. So, or uh, game five, whatever. So like they need to attack that just yeah. all the time. And, yeah. Know, go at Gallo, right? Just like if you want to play that game where it's like we're going to really try and space you out and have all these, you know, wings and guards, like that's fine. But Milwaukee has proven like defensively, again, they're very good. They're very talented on that end. And they're a better offensive team than Philly. So if you could barely get by Philly, it just feels like if it's like the same situation through like games one, two, three, as it was against Philly, then Milwaukee is not going to let games four and five slip away. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like we've seen now. And I, I think this is where Milwaukee's bench can kind of like Bobby Portis can play more minutes and Bryn Forbes can get more minutes and guys like Pat content are going to play more. This is where like you get more of those guys involved. And I think this is going to be more like the Heat series, Heat Bucks series we saw in the first round, where the Bucks kind of just took advantage of every single one of the Heat's weaknesses on defense. Yeah, I I do too. It's it's to that point of Atlanta's had a wonderful run. Even if they go out in five against Milwaukee, they've still had an incredible playoff run, no mm. matter what. So, but you're right. This this feels like the Chris Middleton keep doing what you're doing. Drew, you finally broke through there in that last game in the fourth quarter, like hitting a couple shots. Like just keep trusting it, keep riding it. Giannis is somehow going to score 30. Brooke Lopez, hit your shots. Pat Connaughton, hit your shots. Right, Brent Forbes, hit your shots. Bobby Portis, do the energy plays. And we're, we'll are we roll with it. Series prediction, what you got? Uh, I think I'm going to do what I said. I think I'm going to say Milwaukee in five. I'm going to say Bucks and four. Whew. Straight sweep. Get out the brooms. It's going to happen. Just like Suns and four, right? Give you some uppercuts. I mean, maybe. Suns and four. <laughs> Just... Yes, after those two series, though. I yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee comes out after that long game seven. I mean, they'll have, they've had a couple days off here. I was like, um, they'll have an extra day compared to Atlanta. And now they have home court advantage. <laughs> they do. Right. So. That's, that's kind of was my thinking is like Atlanta will somehow steal one in Atlanta. Yeah. But Milwaukee will close it out in Milwaukee. That's just, what I think. Just a wild. Just wild. These playoffs have been awesome. I don't want to hear about ratings or anything like that. That's a side topic, though. Let's go back over the West. So we've gotten one Phoenix Clippers game in already. And it went to the Suns. It was absolutely amazing. Just uh, this Clippers team may be hitting its ceiling in in this run here. Um, Terrence Mann was again good. I I don't know why. I don't know why Ty Lue keeps going back to these weird bench lineups with like Cousins coming onto the floor. Like I thought Cousins had like a run there where it was like, oh okay. He like yammed it over Sarich and like talked some smack. And um, like 11 points in like five minutes or something, <laughs> and just like absurd. Um, but like 
the Clippers like haven't cut down their rotation yet, and they have as series goes go along. Um, I think the biggest question mark is like which star comes back first, and do they come back at all? Like, does CP3 come back, and does Kawhi come back? Yeah, and like, what can they like give you when they're actually back? Is this like the hobbled CP3 thing? I know he's, you know, it's not an injury per se, but um, and the Kawhi thing, like. I know he, I guess, technically is just dragging that leg around year round. Um, but like, what can he actually give you yeah. out on the court? If you he know? is like 80% Kawhi, is that giving you enough? Yeah. Um, and if the answer is no, then the Sun team has a good chance at winning the series. They're a good team. Yeah. Right? They're a good team. And LA, I'm doing it wrong. Some of the pieces have obviously stepped up in the end of that Utah series. We talked about Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson hit some shots. Mook Morris had a game. It's like, you know, yeah, like they have some guys for sure, but like they had a couple nice looks there at the end of the game. Honestly, like Batum had a wide open look that mm. just didn't fall right at the end. Uh, that could have cut it to one, I think with just a few seconds left. So, like, you know, that they were still in this game like completely, you know, so I don't, I don't by any means think this series is like at all close to over. Like Phoenix, like came out and put their, you know, stamp on this. Like this is this feels like a six seven game series again. Yeah, I think you're right. I joked with Suns and four, but I think the the Suns team is such a smart like offensive team. Like campaign coming in and get like we were texting back and forth about this is this like the biggest turnaround in an nba career we've ever seen like he's like kind of definitely like a top four playing like a top 40 top 30 point guard in the league right now like he was out of the league like this dude wasn't even on a roster before the yeah. bubble last year right and then this year like he kind of had that flash in the bubble right they brought him back and he's been way good this playoffs like He's just like maneuvering and like weaving his way around like the lane and getting wherever he wants. And he's, he's only using his left hand. That's what I don't like. He's not even trying to finish with his right hand. Like it's all left hand. That and quick, quick up, he's getting, they're so fast. That quick scoop was just so good tonight. And yeah. he had some really good passes. It's just like CP three has helped this guy. He's a shooting, ton. Right. Like, he's like a legit good three point shooter now. Yeah, this is it's wild to see this guy. I think they said it on the broadcast from a dance partner in Oklahoma City to starting in the Western Conference Finals. Like, who had that this year? Yeah. Like, I was texting you. Like, I was like, I'm. I was about to fire some semi-irrational tweets about like why <laughs> Campaign was a better point guard today than Kimba Walker. Like, <laughs> uh, those those were typed, but those were not sent. Um, just the way he was playing, like that dude was like. It's it's remarkable, and then we have to, of course, mention like Devin Booker was just on another level. That dude was like Kevin Herter on steroids. Like, <laughs> it's just, just a monster. Yeah, that was just an incredible performance from him today. And it looks he's never. I mean, it's kind of like Trey Young in Atlanta. He's just not surprised by what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I belong here. Like this is this is my team. Like this is our run. Like screw you guys over in LA. Yeah, no, he gives, and you know, part of me is like, is this kind of like 
with Atlanta, like a blissful ignorance of like, you don't know any better. I remember saying this about Boston a couple of years ago, like, you don't know any better. You don't know that you should be losing. And <laughs> just like, I don't care. I'm shooting yeah. the ball here. And it's like, that's a bad shot. And they're like, I don't care. And it goes in, you know? So you just need dudes like that. That's like the reason we hate on Simmons. It's not, not just because of the shooting idea there, but like you have to have like this, like almost ignorance at times where like, I'm the best player out here and mm-hmm. I'm going to show you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I think I said this about uh, one of Booker's performance. It might've been game six against the Lakers where he just had the most like Kobe-esque performance I think yeah. I've seen out of anybody in the league since Kobe. And I don't want to like compare him to Kobe, but like that dude just went at anyone and everyone and could get to a spot and didn't care if you had a hand right over his face. It was going in. Yeah. Well, and that's part of it is he's like, it's like he catches the ball 35 feet from the basket he like says I'm going there and like mm-hmm. picks a spot and like he gets there and he's putting it up. Yeah. And it, there, it's just got, there comes a point as a defender, like there's nothing I can do to stop him from getting to the spot. It feels like all I can do is like put a hand up like in his face and just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And this team, I mean, this team around him, Deandre Ayton, I think we, I was, I wouldn't say we. I was one of the most critical people of that pick. I would still. I didn't love it either. I mean, I we all said like there was an obvious pick to be made, and it was not DeAndre Ayton. But and he's kind of making me eat my words a little, right? Like he's playing really well in this playoffs. He looks like he should have been drafted at the towards the top of the draft. Yeah, I, I, I like. He already looks like he's having better series than Rudy Gobert could, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like he he just like eight rebounds today, and he had what like fourteen points in the first half, just because like he was he's around just a the bit more active on the offensive end. It's not like his game is fundamentally different than Rudy Gobert's at this point. Like he's tried to do the jump shot thing, and he's hit a few like yeah in his career, but like it's not really a part of his game to be honest but he's just like more active on the offensive end. Yeah. I mean, and I think he has like a legitimate point guard that thinks about, yeah. I mean, like when CP three is around, you can tell he thinks about how to get him the ball and yeah. like Devin Booker say, and the rest of that son's offense was pretty intentional with getting him the ball. Yeah. Well, like you saw like some really nice passes, like even from the bridges types, yeah. you know, the Crowder types, or it's like, they're not passers per se. But, like, they just, like, know where he is because, like, they clearly have, like, an, a certain level of chemistry of, like, I know where to find you. You know, Aiden, he definitely fumbles a few every now and again. But, like, honestly, one thing watching him today, I was really, like, he was, like, willing to not just lay it up. Like, he's, like, I'm dunking this on your head mm-hmm. today. Yeah. I really liked that because that was a criticism, like, a legit criticism of his. Like, sometimes he would just, like, try and lay it up or, like, be a little soft with it going up. He's like, oh, I can make this. And then you realize like you're going up, going up against NBA athletes. And so mm-hmm. it, it's not actually a guarantee. Yep. Tonight he was like, I'm dunking the ball and putting yep. it on your head. So like I'm really here for that. Um I mentioned like Bridges was good today. Crowder Bridges is really good. Um, which is good. Cam Johnson's good. Dario Sarge had some good moments. Like 
they just didn't play players who sucked again. Like again, this is the age old thing. Like don't play players who suck. And for the most part, they didn't. Yeah. I think the Suns are probably the deepest team in the play- left in the playoffs. Yeah. You do wonder if the counter for the Clippers, whether this goes down like 2-0 or whatever, is they're going to be like, why can't we just do what we did against the Jazz, which was just send a double at Donovan, send a double at Booker, and just say, we'll play four on three. Yeah. Go ahead. And we're going to take away the lob. We're going to stop-ish whoever has the ball, and we're going to play one on two with the weak side and see what we can do, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great point is that until CP3 come, comes back, that could be a really good counter. I think the thing is that once CP3 comes back and if he does come back in the series, that strategy kind of goes out the window. Because I agree because in theory, like against Utah, like once Conley comes back, it should relatively negate that. Yeah. Right. CP3 is like the even better version and like would intent, like would just tear it apart. Right. So does that mean you need to go to it now knowing he's still out? I mean, we don't know if he's out for game two or not. Let's assume he is. Go to it now and use it now to get a win. And then you can revert back to whatever else later. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to. They started doing it some in game one there where they started blitzing him. Um, But Devin Booker has kind of proven he might be a little different than the rest of these guys that you've been doubling. And Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker is not hobbled right now, right? No, and that's another big thing too. You're right. Is is like this guy has a step, and if he sees the double coming, he proved today that he can make the pa- the smart pass and the, the first pass, and then the team makes the the correct pass to get the right. great shot. Right, and that's the appeal of Phoenix, just as a team, is it's kind of like the Utah. We said all year they turned down the good shot for the great shot. Phoenix, a lot of the same. And if they have the superstar to do superstar things and the rest of the team is still willing and able to do it, the, the Spursy type basketball, then that still might, this might work out for them. Get a Phoenix Milwaukee type of play like finals. That would be like the small market dream, right? No LA's no big market team. So mad. Like, let's be real, but Oh my God. But at the same time, the basketball has been great. Like the actual product has been great. It's never been better. Right, like there's never been this deep of a playoff, um, even though it's been marred by injuries. Yeah. Series predictions, Matt. Yeah. Um, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna go LA. And six. I'm gonna say Suns and seven. I just, I don't know if I trust either of these teams in the game seven. I'm assuming at some point Kawhi is coming back. Yeah. Right. If Kawhi comes back, I think the Clippers will win it in six. But if if he's just out, just he's out, then the Suns are probably going to win this. They have a really good shot, especially if CP3 comes back and could be yeah. like 75%. And if his shoulders start looking good in that towards the end of that Nuggets yeah. series, and that's what's scary. Yeah, no, I didn't think anything like of his shoulder, like in a bad way, like towards the end there. Um, I think this is like just COVID at this point. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's kind of like if Booker and PG are like both on the court, like they can kind of match each other. And then it's 
everyone else. And I'm just stressing the Clippers more. I don't know where they why, but I am. But like if CP3 comes back and is whatever percentage of CP3 and like Kawhi doesn't come back, then like the Clippers just have no match. Yeah, they have no counter, really. Right, for like who's like your legit number two guy. So, you know, yeah. like I get it. So it sucks that like we might not get to see a Kawhi or Chris Paul in this series. Like I hope we do, but it's just basketball. Like we've said at this point, like everyone's dealing with it. It kind of just feels survival survival of the fittest at this point. Like whoever's going to be the healthiest is going to be raising the trophy at the end, which is fine. That's we get some years like that and that's okay. And that might just be Milwaukee because they have three, you know, stars or whatever phrase you want to use and they're all healthy. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, that might be the case. Matt, this has been quite the episode. We apparently blew up a team. We blew up a franchise. Said reset. We'll get that trick machine running. Oh, it's been running already. It's <laughs> been it's been in full sprint tonight. Um, but that's episode 112. Um, do you have any parting words for the people listening, Matt? Don't trust Philly. Don't trust Philly. That's the motto of this podcast now. <laughs> Don't know how many times you have to say it. <laughs> don't trust philly it's not trust the process anymore it's hashtag don't trust philly um anyways that's episode 112 for us um we will see you back for episode 113 yeah.